0: 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to read the first eight verses. The Bible says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions... Are ye not carnal, and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? The ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man is to receive of his own reward according to his own labor. So the title of the message this morning, Division, a Fruit of Misplaced Loyalty. A Fruit of Misplaced Loyalty. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word. And we thank you, Father, that we have in the word of God everything that pertains to unto life and godliness, to the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And so I pray, Father, to look into the word of God today, that we allow the Spirit of God, who is the author of this book, to examine us and to search our hearts, and Father, to challenge us, to encourage us, to convict us where conviction is needed, and bring us into the conformity to the image of Christ, that our Lord may be glorified in and through us. We do pray in Jesus' name, Amen. You know, the church at Corinth, I suppose, was probably most typical of, uh, in the Bible at least, of many modern churches. Um, you know, I do agree. Why would anybody name their church Corinth? There is a Corinth Baptist Church, but I think it's in a town of Corinth. I don't know why anybody named name their town Corinth either. But, but anyway, uh, up 96 toward Oxford. Of course, there's a Corinth Church of Christ over here on 96 as well, not far from here. But, but it, it's typical, I believe, of, of modern churches, temporary churches. I'm, when I say contemporary, I mean modern, you know, this, time, this day and time. It was divided over misplaced, misplaced loyalties to men. Your know, loyalty is a good thing in its proper place and its proper understanding, but it can be destructive to one's relationship with the Lord if it's misused or abused. Uh, we, should, we, should, we must understand that never should loyalty to a person supersede our loyalty to the Lord. And this was the case in Corinth... And it is a real problem in our in our world and in our churches today i do believe you know the closing verses of chapter two and here the first verse of chapter three gives us three designations of people uh we have natural man chapter two verse fourteen and then here in chapter three verse one uh he said, he he identifies the spiritual and then carnal uh And every one of us is described of one of these categories. And so I'm going to look at those this morning a little bit and then then, uh, talk about loyalty. But anyway, first of all, the natural man is described in in chapter 2 and verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Of course, the natural man is referring to the man of the Adamic nature. Uh, in, and even in verse uh, 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 3, he talks about walk as man. You know, it's referring to the lost man, the unsaved man. He can be an educated man or a civilized man or an cultured man, an improved man, but he's still a natural man. He's lost. You know, an educated and an cultured and civilized and improved man was Nicodemus. But Jesus said, you must be born again. I say unto thee, Nicodemus, ye must be born again. And then all you Pharisees. See, the natural man receiveth not things of the Spirit of God. He is the man that's in Adam. uh, And 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For in Adam, as in Adam, all die. So he's on to the condemnation of death. Ephesians 2, 1 describes him as dead in trespasses and sins. He's dead. He's without the spiritual life of God, he's separated from God. And everyone starts life in this state of being. Psalm 51, 5, the psalmist declared, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, he wasn't saying that his parents had an, an, an unlawful relationship that caused his conception. He's saying is, that I was born, or I was conceived, a sinner, because it's passed on from my parents. We all have a sin nature, and we pass that sin nature on to our children. Psalm 58, verse 3 says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Melinda's just grinning back there from your ear. She knows the reality of that verse, you know, just in the last two years. I mean, as soon as they're born, them cute little babies know how to lie. Why? Because they're sinners. They are born sinners. They're born with a natural inclination to do that which is evil. That's a natural man. Ephesians 4.18 describes them as having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. You think there's all those people in green that, that are without hope. They're alienated from the life of God. It's because of the ignorance that's been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And Brother Shaw is trying to break through that ignorance and open their blinded eyes that they might see the truth with the gospel. And what is needed for the natural man is the life of God through the new birth. You know, Jesus told, again, Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verses 5 through 7, Jesus answered, Verily, verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, that's the natural birth, and of the spirit, that's the spiritual birth, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. So we see the natural man, he's the one that's that's lost. This is the unsaved man. But there's a, a notice also he, he talks about a spiritual man here in verse one of chapter 3, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, this is referring to the regenerated person who has been born again by the Spirit of God. They have had two births. They've had a physical birth, and they've had a spiritual birth. Often referred, you know, referred to in the Bible by terms as saved, uh, made righteous, justified, uh, and so on. Uh, They've been born of Adam and they've been born of God. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, not 5, 2 Corinthians, uh, um, yeah, I had it here. 1 Corinthians 15, I'm sorry, uh, 22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. You know, And so this is the person who's been born again. And the spiritual man begins spiritual life as an infant. He is not born spiritually mature any more than a person is born physically mature. You know a, a person is not born spiritually mature when they get saved. I don't care if they are mature as a person, a human being. They're not born spiritually mature. And and Paul refers to them so some of them here as babes in Christ. You know, but we are expected to grow. By energy and exercise. Energy from what we take in, and exercise is from what we give out. And, and spiritual maturity is a matter of personal responsibility. First Peter chapter two, verse two, Peter says, As newborn babes desire the sin welcome of the word that they may grow thereby. You know, if we have been born again, we should desire the Word of God like a baby desires mom's milk. I don't know if you've ever been around a baby. They like to eat often. They like to eat often. They desire that milk a lot. And, and so uh, we should desire the sealed Word of God. But you see, this spiritual maturity is a matter of personal responsibility. Second Timothy 3 16, 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable under doctrine, reproof, correction for instruction and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. If we fail to energize our walk with the Lord through the bread of life, the word of God, we will fall into the third group that's mentioned here. And that's the carnal man or also referred to as a babe in Christ. Notice again verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now the word carnal, these are really spiritual people, in other words, people that have been born again, but they live like a man of the flesh. The word carnal means fleshly or governed by mere human nature. So a a carnal person, referred to here, is a person with the life of God, they've been born again, but they act or conduct themselves like a natural man, with tendencies like a natural man, by their mere human nature. Somebody has described it as a spiritual man with limitations. It's their own limitations which results from several reasons. First of all, a case of not growing. Notice again in verse 1, he says at the end of that verse, even as unto babes in Christ. And so he would, Paul was declaring to them at Corinth, some there, that they were in a state of spiritual infancy. They had not grown up. Now, Paul spent a year and a half at this church at its start a year and a half, instructing them, teaching them. And, and you know this was longer than he spent at most places. It was longer than he spent at Thessalonica. But when he wrote, writes the letter to the Thessalonians, you know, it, he has a lot to commend them for. He has some things to criticize them for or correct them. I shouldn't say criticize. To correct them also, but nothing like at Corinth. And it's because they had not grown up. He said, I in verse 2, he said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. So this indicates their spiritual immaturity. They needed to be treated like children. Because they were not growing. It also be someone described it as a case of living out of character. Notice in verse uh, verse 3, he says, For ye are yet carnal. For whereas is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal? And walk as men. So, in other words, you're living out of character. You've been born again, you have the Spirit of God that dwells you, so you're really a spiritual man, but you're walking like a natural man, as men. You see, the character into which we have been born again is a new manhood. ...and not the old man. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul talks about this new man... ...in Ephesians 4... ...starting at verse 20. He says, but ye have not so learned Christ... ...he talked about how the Gentiles walk... ...in verses 17, 18, and 19. And he says, but ye have not so learned Christ... If so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. And so, he, you know, here's a lot of it we don't really hear. He said, if ye have heard him, and have been taught by him. So if you listen to the truth of the word of God, you would, you would know these things. He says, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So again, it's a matter of personal responsibility. Growth is a matter of personal responsibility. We have to be, we have to put off the old man, which is corrupt, and put on and be renewed in the spirit of our minds, and put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. See, what we have to do is we have to get in the Word of God and 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 measure ourselves by the Word of God, allow the Word of God to to teach us and correct us. You know what that means? I have to willingly willing to let God show me who I really am. And where I'm wrong. And where I'm right. And to have a proper understanding of who I am. And what God desires of me and expects of me. And understand that God loves me. And cares for me. And everything that he does and says is for my good. You see, if, if, we, if we come to the Word of God and say, well, you know, I'm just not sure that that's true. Or, well, that might be for him, but it won't work for me. God's not a respecter of persons. You know, people are a respecter of persons, but God is not. And so we have to come to the Word of God... And allow him to renew the spirit of your mind and be willing to put off the old man and put on the new, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. And he, he tells us some things practically. Wherefore, put away lying. You know, the old man lies. He comes forth from the womb speaking lies. The old man lies. He said, but we're to speak the truth. Put on truth. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing that, which is good that he ha- may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, that which is good the use of edifying, that may minister grace unto the hearers. You know, the world is full of profane language. I read this the other day. You know, profanity, somebody said, profanity is the effort of a feeble mind trying to express itself forcefully. We don't have to use profanity. We don't have to use foul language. We're not to use any corrupt communication. It ought not precede It's not fitting, or it's out of character for a spiritual man. It characterizes the lost world or the carnal person. All these things he's talking about: the anger, the the the, the, the language, uh, the stealing, uh, and, and he goes on here. He talks about giving. You know, we're, we're to give. We're not to steal. We're to give. And then, of course, bitterness, wrath, and anger. All these are characteristics of the natural man or the carnal person. They're out of character for a spiritual person. But you know what we have to do? We have to accept, take personal responsibility to make these changes in our life. Again, it is true that they had a new nature. And were spiritual by nature. These people that Paul called as carnal. They had the life of God. But they were still natural in their behavior. They had not put away childish things. And so every one of us this morning is in one of these three classes. But I want you to notice then also... The capacity of carnality, if you notice in verse 2, he said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. Again, the, the capacity is of, of the carnal is spiritual limitations. It's childish, it's infantile, and this is determined by diet. You know, if all you ever fed your baby was milk, it would not develop properly. Now, that's what it needs in the beginning. It needs milk in the beginning. But as it progresses in growth, it needs some things added to the diet. And the same is true in the spiritual realm. Your milk uh, here refers to, milk is defined As of the less difficult truths of the Christian religion, of the word of God, by which souls newly regenerate, or newly born again, are healthfully nourished unto growth in the Christian life. So, it speaks of those who are not able to assimilate adult food. They can only handle the elementary truths of the gospel. Again, there are several causes or reasons for this. And, you know, let me give you some here. Many Christians never grow because they are not fed more than elementary truths and I fear this is a real problem in a lot of churches if pastors and teachers only teach the main things or the essentials as they're called many people will have a shallow or a surface Christianity I got this off a church website. It's an independent Baptist church website. And this is, this is what it said. In all of our theological understanding, we hold the following statements dear. In essential beliefs, we have unity. In non-essentials, we have liberty. In our beliefs, we show charity. Now, I agree with most of that. But here's the problem I have. What are considered as non-essentials? That's the defining question here. And if you would go into most churches and most ask most pastors what are considered non-essentials, these are the things that you would get. The preservation of Scripture. In other words, most, almost all independent Baptists would agree in the inspiration of Scripture, but they will not agree on the preservation of Scripture. There's many that do not hold to the preservation of scripture. And they would consider that a non-essential. If you read doctrinal statements, if you're, if you're it's discerning, you can pick it up. Because they'll say this, we believe the Bible to be the preserved word of God in the original languages. The problem with that is there are no originals. In the originals. Autographs, not the original languages. Original autographs. There are no original autographs. So that's a callback. Preservation of Scripture, mode of baptism. The rapture. When it happens. There's confusion about that. Whether there's a millennium or when it is, or it's all millennial, premillennial, or you know, so on. Uh, traditional music. Kind of music you use. Social drinking. A lot of independent Baptists are saying social drinking is okay. I mean, the Chapmans lost support over their stand on drinking. The authority of the church, and this is the biggest one, necessity of repentance. Necessity of repentance. See, these are all considered, and some of have even gone to say, far to say that, you know, there's no need of repentance today. We just need to believe. After all, the word repentance is not in the Gospel of John. I don't care if it's not in John. I don't care if it's not in Matthew. I don't care if, if it's in Acts, if it's in Romans, if it's, in, it's still in the Bible. Jesus preached it. John the Baptist preached it. But see, these are considered non-essentials. And I've, often, I've heard preachers say, we just keep preaching the main thing. And they're referring to salvation. If that's all a preacher preaches, his, 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 his flock is going to be weak and anemic. No, pastors must teach and preach the whole counsel of God. And that's what the Apostle Paul did. You know, there wasn't really a legitimate excuse for the Corinthians to be in the condition they were in. And that's why he's correcting them for this. In, in uh, Acts chapter twenty <clears throat> excuse me verse twenty seven he says, "For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which He hath purchased its own blood. For this I know, for I know this: that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter among the flock among you, not sparing the flock." Of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember, but the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Yeah, we must teach the positive, but we also have to warn of the consequences of hobnobbing with the world or following the doctrine of Balaam. Heard in Sunday school this morning. New Ephesians chapter 4. Paul told, again, the church at Ephesus, the purpose of evangelists, pastors, and teachers, verse 12 is for the perfecting of the saints. And the word perfecting means the maturing of. The maturing of. For the edifying of the body of Christ. And, and, and then he goes on and he says in verse 14 that we henceforth be no more children like the Corinthians tossed to and fro and carried about everyone, with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning kind of craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive but speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things which is the head even Christ. So, so many Christians I fear are, are carnal because of a lack of teaching. They're not being fed more than elementary truths. But secondly, many Christians do not grow because they are parasitic consumers. They're not able to bear it. Verse 2 says they're not able to bear it. Now, in other words, they can't seem to be able to take care of themselves. Someone has said this way, do not search for food themselves. You know, what a parasite does is lift off others. He lives off others and is content to live off others. And many, I fear, are, are content just to listen to what the preacher says or the Sunday school teacher says and never reads the Bible for themselves. That's parasitic. That's being like a parasite. You're just living off of what everybody else says. One commentator said they live off others and are content to have others find it for them. They may, they also may cease to pray, being satisfied to be being prayed for. After all, that is why we pay the preacher to tell us what the Bible says. Unquote. One commentator says quote, to be content with outward forms of religion and fail to attend personally to the personal needs for spiritual energy and spiritual exercise will result in arrested development. Unquote. So, if all you, all you get from the Word of God is what you hear on Sunday and Thursday, you're going to be a weak, a childish, infantile Christian. God never intended it to be that way. He intended for us to, yeah, be taught and instructed concerning the Word of God by the man the of God, but also to. Open the book for ourselves and read it and study it. To get energy for everyday life, so that we can exercise what we know to be true. Second Timothy two fifteen says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, study takes work, it takes effort. And you know what the Bible says about one that doesn't work? You shouldn't eat. You know, eat physically. Try eating physically as much as you eat spiritually. How would you fare? How would you fare Physically. First Timothy or First Peter 3:15 says but sanctify that word sanctify there means to consecrate the Lord God in your hearts. That's what we need to be honor and dedicate and devote to the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We need to sanctify that Lord the, the word of God in our hearts daily. You know, a spiritual person, we learned last week from chapter 2, verse 15, judges everything by the Word of God. Therefore, we need to be in the Word of God every day. When Paul, I believe it was Paul, wrote to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 5, he dealt with a similar situation. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. He says this, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness before he is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of a full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And again, now the word meat here means that which is eaten food as solid food opposed to milk or opposed to liquid, and it's that which delights and truly satisfies the mind. You know, if I'm hungry, yeah, I love milk. But if I'm hungry, a glass of milk just doesn't cut it. Even if there's a cookie with it. Just doesn't cut it. I want some solid food. That's what satisfies. It's food of substance. And we need to receive the food of substance, and then it says have our senses exercised. The word senses here is the faculty of the mind for perceiving or discerning. We need to take what we hear from the word of God and apply it to everyday life. Make judgments and decisions based on what we have heard. That's having our senses exercised. In other words, we need to judge everything by the word of God. But I want you to notice also the conduct of carnality in verses 3 through 5 of our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am a Paul, and another, I am Apollos,' are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministered by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. Somebody said this quote, Great minds discuss ideas average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss people." Unquote. And what were the Corinthians arguing about? People. They were arguing about people. Paul and Apollos and Cephas. That's what they're arguing about. That's what they were divided over, it was people. They were quarreling over men and the virtues of the men rather than the message. Instead of being united around the Lord, they were divided over their leaders who were not divided. I mean, Paul wasn't against Paulus and Apollos wasn't against Paul. and Paul wasn't against Peter and Peter wasn't against Paul. They weren't divided. They preached the same message, and yet the Corinthians were arguing over those three men. Which one was better? Or which one they liked better? Which one had the better personality? Well, Paulus was a real good orator. I could just sit and listen to him all day. I could just hear somebody saying, See, instead of seeking unity in the person of Christ, they were divided into parties and factions. They were governed by their emotions. They were impulsive, easily offended, and they couldn't cope with someone who disagreed over a personality. And Paul said, That's like a carnal man, that's like a little child. You're acting childless. And the cause really is they were putting men before the message, and therefore, and thereby, they were caught up in movements, in appearances of success. They were really without, they really didn't evaluate the real fruit or the genuineness or fruit remains. We see this everywhere today. People are caught up with, oh, they're just so enamored by that preacher and how he preaches, and, 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 the, and, and you know, uh, uh, his mannerisms and, oh, he's just so wonderful. Your television preachers are always wonderful. I mean, they put their makeup on. They look like the most handsome guy in the world, you know. Well, some of them do. And they smile real big, and, and they're always positive. You don't see him on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. And you really don't know how he treats his wife or his children or people. All you see is him on TV showing his best face. I'm sorry. This is the only face I got. You see it every day. At least you can't. You see... A lot of people get caught up in movements and appearances of success because they like somebody. They like his personality. But they don't really evaluate the genuineness or the fruit that follows. You know, Jesus has said, you know, he's talk, he talked to John chapter 16 about fruit that remains. Let me drop a bomb here. Just because people are making professions does not mean people are getting born again. I followed a house graduate in a church. House graduate pastor church for fourteen years. Baptized two hundred and fifty in those fourteen years. Would boast about, you know, every time they had a baptism, the, the secretary told me, every time they had a baptism, he'd say, Now, how many does that make? It's all about how many. When I got to that church, there was about 40. And probably about a third of them, at least a third, were not saved. One lady said to me, she was beginning to live in, live in sin. I went to see her about it, and she said, well, if it's a problem, just vote me out of church. I'm like, well, that's a real saved attitude. See, not, every, not just because people are making professions does not necessarily mean people are being born again. See, what is the message? What is the method? Is it easy believism? Salvation without repentance? What are the methods being used? I watched an evangelist right here in this building. Lead a lady to the Lord during the invitation. And we never saw that lady again. And I happen to know something about that lady. She didn't get saved. She really didn't know what she was doing. She didn't have a proper understanding of what she was doing. Or what she was, what was being promoted to be done. And you see, here at Corinth, they had put men above the word of God. You see, our loyalty is first and foremost to God and his world. It is not who said that. Or who said it that is important it's what is said yeah you know, john first john four one says we're to try every spirit, whether it be of God, no every teaching we're examined by the word of God. We ought never we ought never to give absolute loyalty to men by the way. I don't think spiritual men ask for that. I despise when preachers say, are you 100% for your pastor? I'm not 100% for your, for your pastor. I'm not 100% for anyone except the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, that 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 philosophy came out of House, you know. When House was accused of there was things, you know, they had this the stickers that went around, little things you put on your lapel. You know, are you a hundred percent for House? You know, like what one picture said. Of course, I'm not a hundred percent for House. I'm not a hundred percent for myself. At a camp, I was involved in a camp ministry years ago, and to be a board member. Several of the board members told me this later. To be a board member, to be allowed to be a board member, they had to agree never to vote against the camp director. I told him to his face, that was the dumbest thing you ever did. That's stupid. Excuse me for saying, but that is stupid. That's D-U-M dumb. Because men can be wrong. Pastors can be wrong. And, and But we live in a day where many people, like the Corinthians here, follow a personality. They're enamored or charmed by strong personalities. It is a misplaced loyalty. Look at verse 5 through 8. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Paul said, Apollos and I are one, and you're arguing over the two of us. Your loyalties are misplaced. You're enamored. Some of you are enamored with Apollos, some of you are enamored with me, and some of the others are enamored with Peter. You've been charmed by us. You know, that's the thing that Paul said in chapter 2 he didn't want to do. That's why he, he, he said, he, 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 uh, Well, verse 5 there says, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. This is the thing that he feared. And yet it happened. No, he said, we are one and God gives the increase. And if we want to be laborers for God, effective laborers for God, we have to get our eyes off of men and on the Lord. You know, God can use men to help us. But we have to remember they're just men. They're just men. And to be spiritual men and women, we have to search nourishment from the word of God daily. We have to study to show ourselves approved unto God a workman he and not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. And so you know we're to be loyal to the Lord. You know we are to follow man. Paul said but what did Paul say? He said it three times. Follow me as I Follow Christ. You know, there, I wouldn't have followed Paul back to Jerusalem the last time. Because I think Paul went to Jerusalem really against what the Lord wanted him to do. He was man. He had a deep burden for the children of Israel, for his own flesh and kin. He was willing to die for them. But just because you have a burden doesn't mean it's your job and your responsibility to do it. Just because there's a need. You see, our loyalty needs to be to the Lord. We ought to follow men as they follow Christ. But always keep in mind, again, authority is hierarchical. And when that authority over us disobeys the authority above us, above them, we obey that authority, not the one over us. See, this division at Corinth was a fruit of misplaced loyalty. They had their eyes on men and their personalities, not on the message that those men gave. But, you know, that's a natural tendency of what we human beings. We're visual. We're visual. We tend to follow that which we see more than that which we hear. I remember we were in Texas years ago. And uh, there's a church we, we, we found, went to, Independent Baptist Church. And the pastor had a domineering personality. I mean, there's no question about it. He what he preached was great, but it was evident he had a dominating personality. But he seemed to work well with the church, you know, everything was. I I was a great church, and my wife's aunt she didn't like him from the get go. I said, but what's important is the message, not the personality of the man. I said I believe Paul had a very dominating personality. I think Peter probably did too. And God used them greatly. But it was the message that he honored, not the personality. And so, yeah, we need to be loyal to the Lord and consider the message the Lord has. And, of course, we have to be willing, willing to apply the truths of the word of God to our own life. That we might be spiritual and have discernment to to make distinctions between that which is right and that which is not right. Let's pray.